by all accounts a very extremely ordinary person. Ordering on the board, they're boring. So it's very humbling when God uses the story of an ordinary person to bless others and touch others, and especially a male colleague. So there's got to be something in there. So, um, and it's interesting how he uses our stories to impact others in a way that only he can orchestrate. So this is what happened when I shared my story at a staff devotion at the end of last year, and so I'm standing here today, Blaine Richard. <laughs> so when Julie and Ivana said they were going to, um, what am I doing? Okay. So when Julie and Ivana said they were going to call this evening Nicole's story, um, you can imagine the feeling of you know, your stomach just dropping to your knees. Luckily, I was sitting on a chair, so it didn't drop too far. But. Um, <laughs> Those are words that carry heavy weight, you know, and a great sense of expectancy. And I feel quite responsible tonight, you know, not to disappoint you all. Because you could be curled up at home with your favourite books or watching George and Gary and Matt taste those MasterChef dishes. Or like my kids and I have been doing recently, I don't know if any of you have followed Lego Busters, but you get to watch these painstakingly created Lego creations being blown up. It's quite fascinating. And surely all of those three sound more tantalising than listening to me. But anyhow, so who am I to be standing here tonight in front of you? I'm not a public speaker, hence the notes, by any stretch of the imagination. This is the first time I've ever been asked to speak and share my story, and if truth be told, forgive me, I did try and get out of it. (laughs) I'm a shy person, far more of a listener than of a speaker, but God seems to think otherwise. So I'm here tonight out of obedience obedience to God who gives me strength to do far more than I can certainly do on my own steam, and I pray that he will speak to you through me tonight. So I am a school teacher, as I mentioned earlier. This is a new development in my life, which took shape over the past few years. This was prompted and fueled by my husband's desire to emigrate to Bulgaria and separate after 23 years of marriage, and having had five children together. Having been a stay-at-home mom for all that time, working became an urgent necessity for my mental survival, and I just needed to be independent. Now, because I can speak three languages fluently, English, French, and German, and have enjoyed tutoring and teaching these languages over the years, I applied for a job at my children's school three years ago in response to a very timely advertisement for a German teacher. I'd been tutoring my daughter at this point, who was in year nine, and she was very keen for me to go and work at the school and teach language there. I certainly had the language skills, and we decided that we wouldn't let the minor detail of me having no teaching qualifications whatsoever stand in the way of applying at least. We reckoned I had the language, some experience, and a distant uni degree. Surely they'd want me not. The school had great reservations, and so they should have, and discreetly continued interviewing for six months. But God being who God is, in the absence of another suitable candidate, there aren't many Christian German teachers, ladies, um, he opened the door to this new career for me, and I became Frau Durant. (laughs) This has been much to the mirth of my collective group of friends, who have been having a field trip with my name ever since. Nicole got dropped many years ago. I am now Frau Durant. It's the running joke. I enrolled in a two-year teaching degree, a master's, no less, At the same time, I commenced my new position and was suddenly hit with the enormity of the task that lay ahead of me. I had to learn how to become a teacher. I had to remember how to write essays and assignments again and learn the fabulous word of the internet. 
and um, work out how to stand in front of groups of teenagers and teach them. And continue raising my kids and separate from my husband. So it, was all, it all got a bit much. So my sanity slowly started to unravel and somehow remained missing in action for the following two years as God held the overloaded ship of family, work, and study afloat. And he did. Now, little did I realize at this time, nor did anyone think to mention, that this much-coveted job that I was seeking entailed me delivering a five- to ten-minute morning devotion to my colleagues once or twice a year. Now, the teachers at Donville are very blessed. Every school day begins with a short devotion and prayer led by one of the staff. It is a very special moment where they share of themselves or they share an application from the Bible with us, and we all cherish these moments, except for when it's our turn. (laughs) Being a believer, you'd think this was an easy thing to do, sharing a devotion, but not for this one. My colleagues are brilliant people with brilliant minds, so standing in front of them, I don't feel I have anything I can possibly teach them. So I'm not sure how I ended up in front of this group of people that I have the utmost respect for, and I'm in the hot seat with all eyes on me. A bit like tonight again. (laughs) So as if standing in front of 25 reluctant 14-year-olds who'd rather put pins in their eyes than learn German, being taught by someone who has no experience whatsoever wasn't scary enough, this is a recurring pattern and challenge that we have to face once or twice a year at the school. It doesn't go away, it just keeps coming back. So my first devotion in front of my assembled peers, well, they weren't my peers, were they? I was an imposter. They were real teachers. I was just a pretend teacher. Um, was terrifying. I learned that our mouths can go so dry that your bottom lip actually sticks to your gum and your teeth and you actually can't speak anymore. And I'm not joking, this happened. And to fix that in front of 50 people is also awkward because you can't pull your lip away from your mouth. So I'm, this, true, this is true. I'm not making this up. So to make a very long story short, you could say that it's all because a job description didn't include this devotion clause that I stand here today because I would not have applied for the job. Had I known, I had to do those devotions. So I'm here in humble obedience and submission to God's hand in, in all of this. So as I mentioned earlier, I was hoping that God would let me off the hook for this. But no. From a humble devotion given to my colleagues, I decided after a while that I had nothing to teach them, so I'll just speak about myself. It took me two years to get to that point. I'll just say, well, I'll give them my story. To the one person, Richard, who had asked me to come and share, not forgetting that he had asked me, because he asked me before the school holidays, so I was kind of hoping that he might forget, but he didn't. (laughs) Then I go back to church. I go to New Hope, early February, and... It's your story. <laughs> to my only day off coinciding with Julie's. <laughs> From Julie and Ivana actually agreeing that my story could be worth hearing. And to my ter- parent-teacher interviews finishing just in time, despite everything, for me to be here on time. I really did try. <laughs> so I'm here because God wants me to be. And if my story resonates or touches any of you, it'll be God's doing and certainly none of my own. I just thank God for giving me the strength to walk in obedience and for blessing us and others when we do so. So, who am I? Julie introduced you a little bit to who I am. For the longest time, my identity was to be a wife and mother of five children. I was a stay-at-home mom who overfilled her time leading playgroup and volunteering for Sunday school, children's choirs, and any other ministry that was short-staffed at church. I'm sure you all can relate to that. 
I coordinated the uniforms for the basketball club. I handled the registrations for the soccer club. I managed basketball, soccer, and netball teams. I think children play way too much sport, but there we are. <laughs> for years, I was heavily involved in the children's schools, parent helping, hosting morning teas to build community, coordinating the lost and found property. Wherever there was a need, I'd step in. And um, I always loved helping people connect and get to know each other. I made time for my friends and the occasional meal for those who need, and generally lent a hand whenever asked, because I could. I was a stay-at-home mom, and my, my time was my own. A friend of mine, who was a lawyer and a full-time working mom, used to refer to me as a lady of leisure. <laughs> and she was right, of course, because I chose to fill my time as I saw fit, even if I did overfill it, and it was my leisure to do so. Although I was often tired and rarely had time for any leisure activities. And it used to make me chuckle because I didn't have time to just do nothing. I was very pleased to have worthwhile occupations that took me away from the mindlessness and futility of housework, which once done just begs to be done all over again. Why bother? I've just come to that realization. And while our society at large tends to put a negative spin on the stay-at-home mum status, I was very content in my roles. My husband traveled a lot, and while this was the most practical solution for our family, I feel so blessed to have been able to, be, to partake in all my children's milestones, even though I've seen enough basketball and netball games to last me two lifetimes. And I haven't even gone into ballet and calisthenics and sequins. I've spared you all that. So today my response to the typical so what do you do question has changed. I now have a profession. I feel no different about myself, and I don't think I've gone up in the social esteem of, and, uh, on the social ladder because we teachers are those that can't do, apparently. The people that can do, do proper jobs. The people that can't, teach. <laughs> Have you not heard that before? It's charming, one. not it? And so, back to my initial question, who am I? That I might presume to have anything better to offer than tonight's lineup on Channel 10 or ABC. Well, I don't. I'm just a fellow sister whose journey, like all of yours, has had some twists and turns. But I guess that's the whole point. We all have stories. We're all ordinary, and our stories are God's handiwork to share. So I don't have any wisdom to share with you, but I will offer you a small piece of myself and let God speak. So I have not rewritten the devotion I did at school, because God did not prompt me to do that, so I will just embellish it a little bit for you. So the morning devotion I gave at school that day began with a PowerPoint slide, and as you can see, of a tree, lots of tree roots. The roots protruding from the ground. So it was a large mass of tangled roots anchoring the tree solidly to the ground. And the caption read, Rooted and Grounded in Christ, which was the basis of my devotion. And it was a reflection on Paul's words to the gathered church at Colossae. So in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So the last few years have been rough. While the big things around me were falling apart, God has been teaching me to find joy in the unexpected, in the small things, and to accept his will and peace knowing who I am in him. For many years, until I became a Christian, my story was one of longing, driven by a mostly unconscious desire to establish roots, for something to validate my very existence. It's hard to keep track of my journey. Few people can. It's just a bit too long. 
So I can tell you where I've been, and I can tell you what has shaped me, but don't ask me where I'm from. I was born in Canada, and I have Canadian values and a Canadian passport through my mother. My dad is English, so passport number two was British, or so I thought. They decided to strip me of it when I moved to Australia. I grew up in Germany, and to this day deeply love my childhood town of Munich. I was educated in the French school system in Germany and have a French family because I married a Frenchman. I have lived and had children in France, in South Carolina, in the States, and Australia, and my children have those three nationalities. I have now acquired an Australian passport and been here for 13 years. But I don't bear it for any AFL team. <laughs> I have no interest or idea about cricket, so surely I can't be an Aussie. Or am I? Where am I from? You see, I have no roots. To complicate matters, until I had children, I had no blood relatives. My genealogy, my, my bloodline starts with me and, and my children, my Josh, my firstborn, because I was adopted when I was 10 days old. Growing up, I lacked nothing but a heritage. No one ever told me I looked like anybody. I didn't have anyone's eyes or anyone's nose. Perhaps a blessing in hindsight, but to a little girl who needed an identity, don't. In a very small but real way, to me, I'd never fully belonged. As if I wasn't confused enough, my life has been marked by moving, or as I like to call it, uprooting, to Germany when I was five. From a house with a garden and an apple tree on beautiful Lake Ontario, to an apartment in the heart of Munich. I remember my first day of school, holding on to my mum for dear life, surrounded by people I couldn't understand, speaking either German or French. My parents had enrolled me at the Munich French School. What were they thinking? Were they thinking? My life, be it in my childhood, adolescence, early adulthood, and even to this day, has been and is marked by being different. I've always fitted and adapted beautifully, but I'm forever a stranger in a foreign land, always aching to belong. I've always been the one with the interesting, make that American, strange, weird, funny accent. Just a few weeks ago, a student commented that she had wondered who it was that had cheered for her with that funny accent as she ran her heart out at athletics. And I'm thinking, really? I've been here 13 years. In the US, they thought I sounded British. Here I sound North American. I just can't ever belong. I was the one that could never vote because I was never a citizen of the country I lived in until now. My life has been shortened by too many hours spent applying for visas, permanent residences at foreign embassies. A minor detail, perhaps, and it sounds very minor, but it can be significantly stress-inducing at times, depending on the circumstances. So with the birth of my children came the wonderful feeling of perhaps starting to be anchored in this world, or starting to grow roots. My husband and I had bought our first house in France by now and had worked tirelessly and lovingly to make it a home. We were both working and any free time we had was spent renovating and decorating our own walls. As I was working at a home improvement store, a do-it-yourselfers mecca, supplies, help and ideas came to us easily and readily. And to think we actually enjoyed the work is a source of amazement to me now that I've done it a few times too many. I'd rather pay someone now to do anything. 
I'd never had a garden since leaving Canada as a child, and I plowed through gardening books to teach myself basic gardening lore. What joy to plant a red currant tree in my first veggie patch ever. Far more satisfying than growing capsicum, apple, and avocado plants in your flower pot in your bedroom in Munich. An apple green nursery complete with orange trim and a circus motif was ready in time for the birth of our first child. We had a home, and this felt good. Just as I started feeling that perhaps we were settling down, a job transfer took my husband to the US, and the baby roots were dug up again. Goodbye, friends, goodbye, family, goodbye, nursery, my red currant tree. We started all over again in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, where we bought a house at the very end of a cul de sac, also known as a court here in Australia. Foreigners in a foreign land, again. Every Sunday morning, our neighbors' garage doors would open, one after the other, and off they'd go. They would do this with great regularity and dedication. We were wondering what on earth was up with these people. Eric and I came from very good, non-believing homes. To us, Sunday was a day of rest, a day to sleep in. I got up with Josh yesterday, surely it's your turn today. Our mostly Southern Baptist neighbors worked out pretty quickly that their new foreign neighbors were in need of saving. And we received our first invitation to a Bible study from a lovely, good Christian Southern woman. Beautifully made up, no trackies in sight, a paragon of virtue and strength, hair done beautiful, not to be trifled with. A what? A Bible study? (laughs) No, 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 thanks. So the Southern Belle was kind. She didn't press the matter and let us heathens be, for now. Because God had plan B, C, and D up his sleeve, as he always does. And she knew well enough to leave it to him. Sure enough, plan B had me becoming good friends with a Catholic woman through our children. And a few months into our friendship, Elizabeth challenged me over an innocent cup of hot tea. You have to specify hot tea in, in, in South Carolina, otherwise you get iced tea. Why do I celebrate Christmas since I don't believe in Jesus? Well, that was very confronting. I love Christmas. Always have loved Christmas. Really? Other neighbors, Margie and Ernie, 30 years our seniors, invited us, complete strangers, to join them for Thanksgiving at their house. There really was something about these people. When they followed that up with an invitation to church, we were too polite to turn them down. So we dressed in our Sunday best and headed off to church. Plan C was truly in action. Only the preacher was wearing a suit and speaking through a microphone. There was an orchestra and a large adult choir in hideous robes singing the most beautiful songs as they led the congregation in worship. People were sitting in chairs, not pews, and the building was warm and carpeted. Could this be church? The only churches Eric and I knew were freezing cold, Poorly attended affairs where you sat in reverent, hushed silences on hard benches, listening to a sermon, more focused on staving off hypothermia than on the message. Those up and down services, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, on it. This one was like a concert hall, and the people are so warm and welcoming. Volunteers, total strangers, minded our two children, giving up their time to watch our kids so we could go to the service. God had moved from subtle hinting to serious nudging. For Plan D, most surprisingly, he does have a good sense of humor. God used my friend Sejal, a Hindu, who sent her kids to the Southern Baptist Preschool and raved about it. Well, I wanted Josh to go there too. 
And I did love their choir. So maybe just, maybe I should check these people out and see what they're on about. A tick in the bulletin, I want to find out more about the Christian faith, sealed the deal. I proudly donned one of the hideous choir robes and started singing my heart out on Sunday mornings. Children went through the preschool and I succumbed to God's love, poured out through me, over me through his faithful servants. While I sought and wrestled against my upbringing and every logical fiber of my being for a few years, people prayed for my salvation and eventually God broke me and claimed me as his child. I was baptized in the ocean on Sullivan's Island. I don't remember the date I gave up fighting God. It was a gradual process. It used to irritate me when other Baptists would go on about the day they were saved and born again. But I do get it now. That definite moment when we surrender. When we're set free from the chains of doubt and unbelief and, yes, born again in him. And, more importantly to me, rooted in him. Needless to say, all the roots of friendship and church were pulled up again as we relocated here and had to start all over again. As I indicated earlier, my husband and I have recently separated and God has taught me that as far as earthly roots go, I might as well give up. He's shown me the futility of my ways. I understand that today I am and always have been firmly established in his kingdom and in his love. I am his child. And that's enough. How I wished I'd known that earlier. In the most recent installment of my life, God has planted me firmly amongst wonderfully godly colleagues who I have the privilege to work alongside and learn from. He has opened the doors to a new career, which I love, at a place of employment where he is glorified and honoured and placed first above all. He has cared and upheld me through two grueling works, years of work and study, parenting and personal strife. I wake up with a smile on my heart most days, which in itself is miraculous to me. I'm truly blessed, so I surrender to his will when he calls me. So who indeed am I not to walk in obedience to him who sustains me in his love and holds me in the palm of his hand, knowing that in all things he works for the good of those who love him? Romans 8:28. And if I may finish with the prayer to the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that they, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is it as work, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> that, that was wonderful, Nicole. I, I, as I was sitting down there tonight, I was just thinking, you've started off as a stranger mm-hmm. to us, but you're a sister in Christ, mm-hmm. and we're fellow saints mm-hmm. in Christ, rooted in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, 
we were studying last night the Gospel of John and we were reminded that the term born again is actually born from above. And isn't that wonderful? That God did not let go. Let go. He didn't give up plan too bad about plan A. <laughs> he, was, he was moving in with plan B, C and D, like you said, because you're his child. And from eternity past, he chose you. And we're very thankful for that. And we are so thankful for your story because it encourages us that God is at work. And I don't know about you ladies, but there's probably people in your lives that you need to continue to pray for and to ask that God would be merciful and to do that work from above mm -hmm. so that they too will have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and will have their roots in him and will have the security of knowing it actually doesn't matter where we come from because I'm from New Zealand and these guys don't really like me. You know. <laughs> but the fact is in, in Christ we're all one and we're going to be in glory one day and our roots will be there forever. We all have the same And voice. isn't that exciting? <laughs> and the other exciting thing, Nicole, is the fact that you've been obedient tonight. Thank mm -hmm. you. Because we're all blessed by that. I can see everybody's faces. Um, and that's a challenge for each of us too, isn't it? So often we want to let all those, yeah, <laughs> those excuses come in. Um, I don't know what God's asking you to do this week, tomorrow, this year, for the next 10 years of your life, I don't know. But be obedient to him because that's where the blessing is, you know. That's where you find that you have a story to tell, um, that God will um, bless others by, you know, how you obey. So thank you so much for coming tonight. You're very welcome. It's thank you for listening. really rich to, <laughs> to hear that. And um, maybe I'll just close in prayer and then you can continue to have fellowship. There's plenty of cake and have another drink if you like and stay as long as you like. But if you stay, you have to help us pack up. <laughs> All right. So let's just... Um, Thank the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. Father, we thank you so much for Nicole. And Father, we thank you that you have had your hand upon her life. And Father, thank you that you love her with an everlasting love. And we thank you, Father, that you've placed her in a wonderful workplace and you've given her a, a church family and you've given her purpose and hope. You give her, you've given her an inheritance that will not fade, perish or spoil. And Father, we're just so encouraged by those promises in your word. And Father, thank you for each um, lady who's come out tonight. And I just pray that we will each go away challenged and encouraged and reminded that our roots need to be in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Father, if our lives are going a little topsy-turvy with the things that are happening, the circumstances of life, I pray that we'll be reminded again of our relationship with Christ. So, Father, I just pray that each one will go away from here tonight very encouraged and that you'll richly bless Nicole for coming out tonight. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this time together in your precious name. Amen.